Thank you. Okay. The parsha is um, the parsha is Devarim. I hope that the air conditioning will make itself felt before I finish the shear. But if you look at the second page, we're going to start from the second page because I like to do it backwards. You know that the parsha of Devarim, the parsha of Devarim is the beginning of what is kind of the strange book of the Torah like it's not clear what exactly this book of the Torah is about and what it's for I don't mean that it has no important or valuable information the book of Dvarim contains hundreds literally hundreds of mitzvot that we learn about in the book of Dvarim but somehow uh, those mitzvot at least theoretically could have been dispersed through the books of Shemot and Vayikra and Bamidbar and it's not clear what the book of Dvarim what the book of Dvarim is about now you know that the Ramban thought that each book of the Torah has a purpose has an overlying overriding theme there's a theme to the books of the Torah when it comes to Dvarim he presents us with an interesting theory this is the Rambat HaSefer HaZeh Inyano Yadua Shehu Mishneh Torah everybody knows that the book of Dvarim is Mishneh Torah Mishneh Torah, the words Mishneh Torah means something like a second Torah or a repetition of the Torah in the Torah itself these words Mishneh Torah appear when the Torah commands the Melech to write his own Sefer Torah uh, that the king of, of Israel has to have a Sefer Torah of his own that he writes and that he carries around with him wherever he goes the Tosefta in Sota explains that the way he did this the way this king did it is what he actually strapped the Sefer Torah onto his arm in a manner similar to the strapping of Tefillin I guess and he would go around with that all the time it was as though the Torah was always speaking to the king because you know the Torah says that that uh, being a king is a precarious thing since the king has so much power and authority it's possible sometimes for the king to get the wrong idea about himself and so carrying the Torah around is kind of a musr a musr thing like a king is supposed to say yeah, who am I? well compared to the Torah I'm nothing and you know I think I mentioned one once that the Rambam quotes the Pesach in Mishle Bi Melachim Yimlochu about the Torah that Malchut uh, the authority of the Melach comes from the Torah and that's what he has to remember all the time and even though it's true that the king could say you know anything and people would listen to him his underlings would follow him nevertheless 
he has to understand and therefore the king is obliged to say things that the Torah wants him to say the king can't say things that the Torah doesn't want him to say he's not above he's not above the, the, the Torah certainly not so the words Mishneh Torah the words Mishneh Torah refer to the Torah that the king is going to write for himself but Chazal used the words Mishneh Torah to apply and apply them to the book of Devarim the book of Dvarim is Mishneh Torah. So let's look at the Ramban again. The Ramban says, "Asefer Azen Yenoh Yadua Shehu Mishneh Torah." That's what defines the nature of this book. Yivaerbo Moshe Rabbeinu Ledora Nichnas Ba'aretz Rov Mitzvot Atorah Atzrichot Yisrael. Now this is an important statement. He says, if I had to categorize the mitzvot in the book of Dvarim, I would say they, co- they contain a large group of those mitzvot are the mitzvot that B'nai Yisrael need when they come to Eretz Yisrael. They're Eretz Yisrael connected mitzvot. And after all, the book of Dvarim was taught to B'nai Yisrael by Moshe Rabbeinu and Arvot Moab. And Arvot Moab is the place that they were it was like the jumping off spot to go to Eretz Israel. They went to Eretz Israel from Avot Moab, led by Yoshua Binun. And in the book of Dvarim, there is nothing that might belong in Torah Kohanim in Vayikra. There's nothing in the book of Dvarim that reminds us even of the Kohanim, of the Korbanot, of the Tara. Nothing. And Kohanim don't waste time. They, they, they were learning, they had a learning program to teach them the laws of the Korbanot, to teach them the laws of Tumah V'tahara, that's Rizimheim. Lo yitzterchu la'azhara achar azhara. And the Torah doesn't have to warn them again and again that you can't go to the Beit HaMikdash unless you're Tahor. You have to be ready. The Torah said it once. That was enough. The Kohanim understood the significance of these directives. Aval bi Yisrael Yachzir ha-mitzvot ha-noagot bahem pa'am Losif lahem bahem bi'ur U'pa'am Shelo yachzir otam rak la-zir et Yisrael Berov azharot He says, but when it comes to the mitzvot in the book of Dvarim Some of them are repeated mitzvot Right, that are already in the Torah Why did Moshe Rabbeinu repeat the mitzvot? Because B'nai Yisrael needed encouragement You know it wasn't like, you know, they weren't all intellectuals and they weren't all thinking about what the mitzvot meant so Moshe Rabbeinu knew he had to remind them again and again and he says sometimes these mitzvot mentioned in the book of Tzvarim contain details that are not part of the original teaching of the, of the mitzvot Raglas here at Yisrael Berov Asarod on line five. Kemoshe Yivo b'Sefer Hazeh b'Yenei Avodat Gilulim Asarot Ruvah. For example, the question of Avodah Zarah. 
which really became, even though there was a Chaita Egel in the past, which may or may not have been Avodazara, but it was certainly on the way to Avodazara, even if you could sort of squeeze out of it. Uh, but now they were going to Eretz Yisrael. And Eretz Yisrael at that time was the capital city of Avodazara. And so Moshe Rabbeinu knew that he had to warn the Jews about Avodazara again and again and again, and that's what he did. He warned them again and again and again. He said, Zohar Zoh Betochachot Vekol Pechadim Asheyev Chidotam Vekol Onshei Ha'averot Vod Yosif Besefer Hazeh Furthermore, this book includes Kama Mitzvot Shalom Yisku Klal He says there are mitzvot in this, Torah, in this book of Dvarim that don't appear any place else in the Torah And he gives an example Kedon Hayibum V'din Hamotzi Shemra V'gerushin V'isha so, so the book of Dvarim the book of Dvarim contains a variety of mitzvot some old ones which are just repeated some old ones which are repeated with additions and some new ones mitzvot that we've never heard about before all of this is found in the book of Dvarim and the Ramban can explain about the repeated mitzvot because he says the Kohanim are Zrizim but the rest of the people you can't trust them so well and also there are mitzvot that B'nai Yisrael needed when they came to Eretz Yisrael and they're about to get into Eretz to to go into Eretz Yisrael so all the mitzvot become relevant and then the Ramban goes on and he says this he says don't think that these mitzvot that were given by Moshe Rabbeinu to B'nai Yisrael that we never heard of before Gerushin and Yibum and Motzi Shemra all of those mitzvot which we just hear about in the book of Devarim don't think that those mitzvot are different than the other mitzvot but the other mitzvot of the Karyag were given to Moshe Rabbeinu at Har Sinai and these mitzvot were also given to Moshe Rabbeinu at Har Sinai why did Moshe Rabbeinu wait for 38 years or 40 years to teach these mitzvot of B'nai Yisrael in Harvot Moab I don't know I mean, what are the above reasons? What are they maybe? Because they needed them now. He wanted to teach them close to entry into Eretz Israel. Okay, but uh, what's it got to do with Gerushin? Why didn't Moshe have to teach them about the laws of divorce earlier? What's it got to do with Eretz Israel? He says, Kvar Nemrulo Kulad B'Sinai, Aman, line 8, I think. Ob Oil Mo'ed, B'Shanari Shonar, all of these things were taught to Moshe Rabbeinu before the Chet of the Meraglim. In Avot Moav, you can't say that, that this was the first time Moshe Rabbeinu ever heard of these mitzvot. I'm sorry, I the only new thing in the book of new for Moshe Rabbeinu, we mean. The only thing that was new for Moshe Rabbeinu is the covenant between B'nai Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the parasha. Which parasha? 
Kitavo, in the parasha of Kitavo, which takes the place of the covenant between B'nai Yisrael and God that was written at the end of the book of Vayikra in the parasha of Bechukotai. So that this is the new thing. This is the new thing. New, not because it's so much different. Even though Chazal discussed the, 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 whether they're the same or they're different, but new in the sense that it was a new covenant. It basically contained the same information in it. But the old covenant seems to have been done away with after the Chetam Raglim. And so B'nai Yisrael, upon entry into Eretz Yisrael, deserved and had to receive a new covenant. And that's new. Lo nitchatshulo ela divrei habrit. That's parashat kitavo. Kasher nefaresh bo. And this I will explain to you later on. So the Ramban, in his introduction to the book of Dvarim so far, is talking about mitzvot. The book of Dvarim is, talk, is full of mitzvot. There is... There are old mitzvot and new mitzvot and old mitzvot with new information in them, all kinds of mitzvot. And that's the primary, the bulk of the, of the, of the, of the material. And then he says, don't think, don't think, I, mean, I don't know what he wants us to think, don't think that these mitzvot were not given to Moshe Rabbeinu at Har Sinai. Surely they were given to Moshe Rabbeinu at Har Sinai. Uh, the only new thing is this covenant of the parasha of Kitavo and now he goes on to a literary question which concerned all of the Mephoshim the Ramban, and the Ramban discusses this question in his introduction to the Torah. You remember that the Ramban, besides writing an introduction to each book of the Torah, wrote a long introduction to the Torah. And that long introduction is basically about what is the Torah? What is the Torah? What does it mean? And in that long introduction, he also talks about this point, that the book of Devarim is different, because it doesn't say, by the Hashem Moshe Yisrael, all those kinds of introductions are missing. And why are they missing, according to the Ramban? Because Moshe Rabbeinu learned these things 40 years earlier. He learned it a long time ago. So it wouldn't be reasonable to say that the Hashem Moshe now, because this is old stuff for Moshe Rabbeinu. So this introductory pasuk is missing. <coughs> it says, so it says, line ten. Daber ben Yisrael but Moshe Rabbeinu was not instructed to write these mitzvot he knew about them about Gerushin, about Yovel about Yibum, about Motsi Shemra, he knew all these mitzvot but God did not tell him to write them so you see the Ramban again in the back of his mind is this idea of going to Eretz Yisrael that Moshe Rabbeinu somehow on his own 
<coughs> directed by the Rebbein Shlela, was able to distinguish between those mitzvot that Bnei Yisrael had to know now in the desert, because they lived in the desert, and those mitzvot that they would have to know when they came to Eretz Yisrael. How Yibum and, and, and Gerushin fit into this category exactly, we don't know. But the Ramban says, this will work for a certain number of the mitzvot, this idea. <coughs> he says... He says, Even though a mitzvah, there are mitzvot that are about people, they're not about places. Like Gerushin. Two people get divorced. It doesn't matter where they are. There's nothing to do with Eretz Israel. Yibum. There's nothing to do with Eretz Israel. Moshe Shemra has nothing to do with Eretz That's called Chovat Aguf. That the goof, that the body is obliged to do the mitzvah wherever it finds itself. The Ramban, by the way, you know, has a special theory about this. And he says that in general, mitzvot, mitzvot in the Torah can only really be accomplished in Eretz Yisrael. He says this at the end of Akremot. And that even a mitzvot that are chovot haguf, like putting on tefillin or shaking a lulav, can only be done really in Eretz Yisrael. And the fact that we do them in Chutz La'aretz, the Rabbad says this, it's just that we should remember how to do the mitzvot when we come to Eretz Yisrael. This is the position, this is the position of the Rabbad, that the Kiyum HaMitzvah the Oraika, to do a mitzvah the way the Torah really wants us to do it, you have to be in Eretz Yisrael. So he says, All these mitzvot are of bodily mitzvot. The libations in the Beit HaMikdash or Mepnei She'enam Tidirot Lo iskirak bibalnim Again, he says, even those, he doesn't say here what he says in Afremot, but he said, somehow we can keep connecting the mitzvot to Eretz Yisrael. So this is where we are. We're at line 13, in the middle of the line. So in other words, up to now, he has discussed the book of Dvarim as a repository of mitzvot. But we all know that the, and also he put in Kitavo. He got that covenant in there as well. But we know that there's one other theme in the book of Dvarim. And that theme is this line 13, the middle of the line, Veterim Shiat Khil Bibir Hatorah. And Moshe Rabbeinu, before he started teaching B'nai Yisrael all these mitzvot, The word Hochicham is the word in Hebrew Tochacha. And the word Tochacha means, no? Take a stab. What? Reproof? Reproof. What's a less, uh, a more common word? Let's scold them. Okay. Tochacha is a mitzvah in the Torah, as we will see. And it has a special meaning. The Ramban says, he's telling me a fact. That Moshe Rabbeinu, before he started teaching them all this mitzvah stuff, he decided to give Tochacha, to reproof them. Tochacha moskilem avonoteihem. And he reminds them 
of all of the Averis that the Jewish people did since Yitziat Mitzrayim. Kamayam Ruhu Bamidbar, how often they, they denied God's authority. And, and in fact, every time he tells them about what happened in the past, he mentions the great mercy that a Kodesh Bokhu had towards them, they're still around. And so the Rambam doesn't ask the question, but the obvious question is, why did the Rambam do it? Why did Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm sorry, why did Moshe Rabbeinu say, to Bnei Yisrael, they're about to go to Eretz Yisrael, you know, it's supposed to be upbeat, you know, like a team. Like a team, you know, you know, can imagine like you're like standing around the basketball team, standing around, you know, and the little guy, he's the coach. So what does the coach say? You're no good. You never fight. You don't run. You don't win. You know, no, no, the coach says, oh, you're the greatest. You're flying. And there's no chance. You're going to beat the other team. But it doesn't matter what you think. That's what you say. See, it's Moshe Rabbeinu. He's led the Bnei Yisrael up to Eretz Yisrael. He wants them to go to Eretz Yisrael. He wants them to do what they're supposed to do. So what's his tochacha business? What's tochacha? And besides, you'll see, you understand, that tochacha, the mitzvah of tochacha, there's no mitzvah for me to remind you of some avera that you did in the past for which you've done tshuva, or for which you were punished. What do you mean tochacha? In other words, if I know a person, I know a person did uh, talks Lashon Hara too much. So I could go privately and say to him, listen, Lashon Hara, too much. You, maybe you'll decide otherwise. But let's say I know somebody who talked Lashon Hara 20 years ago. And I went to him 20 years ago and I said, Lashon Hara, too much. Maybe change your mind. He did. He stopped saying Lashon Hara. So you mean that 20 years later I was supposed to go and say to him, remember, you used to talk Lashon Hara? Well, you shouldn't do that. Who ever heard of such a thing? Tohacha is a practical mitzvah in the Torah. And we're going to look at that. Let's look at the Rambam on the first page. The Rambam, as you know, is a practical person. The Rambam says, Right? Chata means clearly against the Torah. Derech lo tova sounds like you're on your way to going against the Torah, right? You're going with bad, you have bad friends, or you're in a bad group, or you're in a business with bad people. Mitzvah lach zero lamutaf. Mitzvah. The Torah demands that we help him to return to the proper path that he's sinning against himself there's a pasuk in Vayikra Amitecha means a close friend closer than than a Re'ah that's somebody that you know uh by the side but somebody that you know seriously <coughs> and he says if you go and you tell this person whether you think he's transgressing against God or against his fellow man 
צריך להוכיחו בינו לבין עצמו. בתוכחה has to be said in private. Because if you don't say the tochacha in private, you're on the cusp of Lashon Hara. And doing an Avera in order to produ- even to produce a good result is not the way we want to go. Im kibel mimenu mutaf, the Rambam says. If the person you're talking to accepts the tochacha, wonderful. Vimrav yochichenu pam sheinitu shlishit. And if he doesn't listen, then your obligation is to tell him again, a second time and a third time. And you have to do it again and again until the other person gets so annoyed with you that he beats you. Says I can't stand it anymore. Stop talking to me. Anything actually hits the person who is giving the tochacha. Achi kawa chotei lo eni which we might translate when you get to the point that you understand that this is not going to help and this is not going to change anything. So in such a situation, you can stop. You don't have to give tochacha. Don't give tochacha anymore. וכל שאפשר בידו למחות ואינו מוחה הוא נתפס בעוון אלו כאילו שאפשר לא למחות בהם. He says, this is such a big deal, the Ramam says, that if you have the opportunity to give tolchacha and you don't take that opportunity, then it's as though you somehow are involved with the sin that you are watching. So again, you see from the Rambam Adavar Pashut, the Tochacha is not reminding people about how they used to be. Tochacha is a pragmatic effort. It's, it's our attempt to head him off at the past before things get really too terrible. I'm willing to spend time and effort privately to tell him that he's doing the wrong thing and he's going in the wrong path and he has to change. But that's not what Moshe Rabbeinu was doing. Moshe Rabbeinu was just depressing the people. He was saying to them, you know, you did it in the past, maybe you'll do it in the future. You did it in the past, you're not so trustworthy. Even if you're going to heritage. What sort of thing is that for the, a leader? Like Moshe Rabbeinu to do. Let's look at the next halach in the Rambam. The Rambam says, "Hamochiach at chaverot chila, lo yedabelot. Hamochiach chaverot chila, lo yedabelot kashot." Achiyachli menu. He says, "When you do this, you have to do this in the proper way, and you can't embarrass him. You shouldn't embarrass at the beginning. You shouldn't embarrass the sinner." Sheneemar lo tisal avchet. You should not become a sinner in this enterprise. You know, you can say harsh things to a person. They get red in the face or they start stammering. You don't do that. That's not how we do it. Because the culture came to Rabin. Amazing. The Torah says, even though you have a responsibility to be mochiach 
to say tochacha, to reprove the other person. But you don't have permission to embarrass him or to embarrass him in public. Certainly not. So you have to start off very simply and easily. And even though the Ramah says a person who embarrasses somebody else in this process is not Chayev Malkot. He doesn't get stripes for doing it, but it's still Avon Gadolu. Means, in spite of the fact that there is no onish, no punishment in Olam Hazeh, your position in Olam Haba is severely compromised. And the Chachamim would never say a thing like that unless they really thought that this transgression was extremely serious. The Fikach, he says. The Fikach. He says, you can't embarrass anybody. Neither a small person, a young person, or an older person. You can't call him a nickname, or the name that he had when he was a child. There was a special halacha. You can't call a person by the name they had before they converted, to remind them of the fact that they were once not, not Jewish. And he shouldn't tell a story about how he was. What story? Well, here's Moshe Rabbeinu. What story is he going to tell B'nai Yisrael? Well, they made the ego. They received the Torah, they made the ego. So here, here Moshe Rabbeinu didn't learn this Rambam. Or Moshe Rabbeinu was like, uh, didn't agree with this Rambam. I mean, how can we say that? It makes sense to say that Rab, Moshe Rabbeinu is acting against the Rabbah. Moshe Rabbeinu said to B'nai Israel, I know you're not doing anything wrong right now. But let me remind you about things you did wrong in the past and why you're not trustworthy. The Rabbah says, you're not allowed to do that. You're only allowed to do, you're allowed to talk to a person about the transgression that you would like him to correct. Not about some transgression in the past. That you're not allowed to talk to him about. What did Moshe Rabbeinu do in the beginning of Devarim? He talked about some transgressions that they had in the past. How was it this? And how was it that? That's what Moshe Rabbeinu is talking about. He's not talking about now. Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't say that there's a now Avera. There's a now transgression. That's not the case. There is no such thing. When it comes to mitzvot between heaven and man, he doesn't repent that in, in, in private they can insult him. Then you can take very strong action. If the hate that we're talking about is a hate between Adam and, and God, between man and God, then you can uh, uh, be a very extreme 
you could put people in cheyrem, you could send them out of the community, you could embarrass them and insult them. They have to understand that this is unacceptable, unacceptable behavior. So that Moshe Rabbeinu did something that's not in the Rambam. It's not the way the Rambam understands, because the Rambam said you can take action. Action here means speaking. When there's a transgression. Now it's true that B'nai Israel transgressed in the past, but they were forgiven. Whatever, however you understand the process of forgiveness and punishment, B'nai Israel went through that process, were forgiven, were punished, were forgiven. It's over. It's over. While it may be instructed by B'nai Israel the people to think about pitfalls that they fell into in the past. Why, why does Moshe Rabbeinu think that he should give this tochacha to B'nai Yisrael, which is non-halachic, at this time? The next uh, source are the psukim that, uh, that all of this is based on. The psukim, that means you should not keep it in. It doesn't mean you see that this person is doing a bad thing. You have to say it. You have to say it. And this is like psychology. This is called psychology. You should, you should reprove him. Do not bear the burden of seeing him sinning, which is bothering you. And then there's that posseg So this is a mitzvah exactly like all the other mitzvot. is remove the burden of seeing what you see. That's what the pasuk said. But before we look at, uh, at the other two sources, I want to make a uh, short introduction. Everybody knows that there's a halacha called Arvut. Arvut, kol Yisrael, arevim, zebazeh. Now what that means is, what that means is that if I see a person who's not doing a mitzvah, who doesn't, uh, doesn't put on children in the morning, it doesn't shake a little, doesn't eat a matzah, a piece of matzah on Pesach. So it's my obligation to, to get him to do it. I mean, I can't just, I mean, I can't, uh, even if you're not a Chabadnik, uh, it's still an obligation. I don't know if I would start with lighting candles on Friday night as being the most serious obligation that a person can keep, but certainly, certainly the Torah demands from everybody all the Jews are involved so okay there could be a question of tactics how do I do it how do I make myself my voice heard but there's no doubt that everybody's obliged to do it everybody's everybody's obliged to try to make people do the mitzvah try to avoid the Ave Rot but also not to make the situation worse than it already may be. So this is called Arvut. And the Ritva in Sanhedrin says there are two points that you have to remember about Arvut. The Ritva in Sanhedrin says that this is not exactly an independent obligation. 
Look what Torah says. Run around and find people who are not doing mitzvot and get them to do mitzvot like it's some kind of an obligation. But the Ritva sees it as a biological need. So the Ritva says, he says, look, if somebody doesn't put on tefillin, then I didn't put on tefillin. If somebody doesn't eat a matzah on the night of the Seder, I didn't eat a piece of matzah on the night of the Seder. So what does the Ritva mean? Was there there's this idea of doing mitzvot with completeness? And completeness means that every single Jew participates in doing the mitzvah. And that's what Arvut means. Arvut doesn't just mean I have an obligation to make him do it, but Arvut means that if he doesn't do it, I'm in pain because I haven't done the mitzvah properly. That's what, that's what the Ritzvah says. In that same Gemara in Sanhedrin, the Gemara says, when did Arvut start? When did all of this start? The Gemara says, when the Jews came to Eretz Yisrael. What's Eretz Yisrael got to do with Arvut? Somehow, Eretz Yisrael, a place, having a place, is a unifying force. It's, it's not just that you own the land in Eretz Yisrael, or you could, take, you could have benefits from the ownership of the land of Eretz Yisrael. Not just that. But Eretz Yisrael makes the community of Jews that left Mitzrayim into a unity. The community into a unity. And what does it mean for the Jews to be unified in Eretz Yisrael? It means that it pains me if someone else doesn't keep the Torah. In other words, it's not just that I'm obliged on an individual level to try to get you to do this vote. That may be the case in Eretz Israel and in Futzlar, so there's no difference. But to say that the fact that other people are not doing the mitzvot is something that gives me pain. Because it's as though I didn't do the mitzvah properly and I have no way of treating that problem. I have no way of correcting it. I'm stuck. I'm stuck, so I'm in pain. This is what the word arvut this is what the word arvut means. So the Gemara, if you look at the Gemara, there's a Gemara here in, uh, in Horiot. Learn Horiot is about a very esoteric topic. What happens in the Beitim tells you to do something wrong. I mean, they, they didn't want to tell you to do so, but they did. They said, you could eat those chickens. And it turned out that the chickens were trained. So, so, uh, there's a Helem Davar Shel Tzibur. The entire Tzibur, as a Tzibur, was unaware of the fact that they were doing something wrong. So they had to bring a Korban. Not only do they have to bring a korban, but there's a question as to the measure of obligation that the Beit Din had. The Beit Din also was, was doing the right thing, they thought. They were misinformed, or they misunderstood, 
and people did this Avera. So in the Gemara and Horiot, it says, Omar Avasi, there's a problem of Rome. If most of the people do the Avera, so that's called Parhelein Dover Shel Tzibu. So the question of the Gemara is, how do you count the Rome? A Rome means a majority. So that you have a hundred thousand people in Eretz Yisrael, you have more, but let's say an easy number. You have a thousand people in Eretz Yisrael, right? So you need the majority of them having transgressed. So how much is the majority of a thousand? How much is the majority of a thousand? Five hundred and one. That's the majority. But the Gemara doesn't see it that way. The Gemara never sees it the way we see it. The Gemara sees it this way. He says. Shlomo was doing a kind of sukkahs. He says, the Pasuk says, Kol Yisraelimo, all of the Jews were with him. Ka'al gadol, milavol k'chamat adnachal Mitzrayim, lamali. So why, why say it twice? They already said, the Pasuk already says, Ka'al gadol, a large number of people. So why does it have to say, one second, well, it says everybody went with him everybody was joining the holiday so why do you say in the Pasuk it's the same thing that kahal doesn't mean everybody it means everybody in the kahal what does that mean? So there's a Rambam. The Rambam says in Elchot Shkagot, Per Gud Gimel Halacha Bet, Sanhedrin What happens if the Sanhedrin transgresses according to their own directive? They say, eat the chicken. Einan mitztarfim lerova kahal. See that word kahal? They're not added on to the rove. Adju a rovja asu chutzmi Sanhedrin. Asu rovan she Eretz Yisrael al pihem. So you see that in order to have a parhelim tzibur, parhelim dovashot tzibur, you need a kahal. And you need a rove of the kahal. And the Sanhedrin are not counted. Even if there's only one shevet involved. In other words, rove is not the rove of the thousand people, but let's now say that the thousand people are ten shvatim, a hundred in each shevet. If you have a rove of one shevet, I'll be shevet, I'll shevet echad. And even if the majority of shvatim only have 490 people in them, so that the minority of the Shvatim is a, it's still called a majority. Beitim chayavim rosim pturim. Ketzat. Hayush shushvei Eretz Yisrael sheishmeot elevechad. Let's say that in Eretz Yisrael there was 600,001 
person. And the ones who did the wrong thing that the Betin told them to do were 300,001. B'nei Yehuda Belvad, and they are all, the 300,001, are from the tribe of Yehuda. Osha Yosim B'nei Shivashvatim Kulam, Avabishiyesh Pahen Meha Elef. Now, what happens if the transgressors were part of seven Shvatim? But in the seven Shvatim, there's only 100,000 out of 600,000. Harei beitim chayavim v'cholosim al-pihem p'turim v'eimashkishim al-yoshvei chutzal la'aretz, etc. So that, that in Eretz Yisrael, this is what the Rambam says, that in Eretz Yisrael, you count the rove differently. In the Midbar, there were 600,000 Jews. And what's a rove? A rove is 300,001. Is a rove of 600,000. Uh, 600, but not in Eretz Yisrael. Because once the Shvatim attach themselves to the land, the Rambam says, a rove can even be the majority of people in the Shavit. And once there's a rove, even though it's not the rove of all the people who live in Eretz Israel, then the Beit Din is obliged and everybody else is patur. So that the counting in Eretz Israel, people who live in Eretz Israel, is different than the counting of the people who are in Chutzlaretz. In Chutzlaretz is only a simple rove, a simple majority. But in Eretz Israel, there's a majority of the people a majority of the tribes, a majority of people in a particular tribe, because because the tribe in Eretz Israel represents, as we saw with the Benot Slavchad, the tribe represents an entity which is of such importance that it contains its own roof, its own majority. And so Moshe Rabbeinu said to B'nai Yisrael, Moshe Rabbeinu was on the way, he says, he, he says, you know, I know that you have sinned in the past. And I know that the past has been taken care of. Right? The past has been taken care of. You know, the Shari Tshuva says, the Shari Tshuva is a machlokis amongst Rishonim about whether you have to do Tshuva on this Yom Kippur for something that you did Tshuva for last Yom Kippur. It's a machlokis Rishonim. And the Shari Tshuva says yes. And this idea is explained by Rav Nachman of Bratzlov as follows. What is tshuva? Tshuva is a mitzvah that's variable. It's like shaking a lulav. You can argue, what's the difference between this person shakes a lulav and that person shakes a lulav? It's the same thing. You shake a lulav. The lulav is shaking. There's no, uh, there's no real connection between the person and the result. Of course, he can if you have a note, he can think differently. But the fact of the action is, is the same. See, that's not, that's not true. 
if a person is very reflective and thinks about his connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and thinks about it a lot and realizes that he transgressed then the tshuva that he does or we say tshuva about that person it's certainly different than the person who is doing it pro forma comes to Shul and Yom HaKippurim, who says the words who whacks away at his heart because he sees all the people around him doing that he says that's different that's different so it's intuitively correct that tshuva is a variable that different people will accomplish it in different ways and so Rav Nachman Abraslav says tshuva is also elevating doing tshuva is a wondrous thing because it says I felt far from God that's what the Rambam says, the Gemara says I feel far from God and now I feel closer to God so feeling closer is elevating it, it changes me you don't feel closer to God and you're the same but at least when you leave Shul and Yom Kippurim for the first 15 minutes you feel good about what you did and what you accomplished and all of that is correct according to Rav Nachman Abrazi. He says, when you raise yourself up through the midst of tshuva, you know what you realize? That the tshuva that you did was not sufficient. Because suddenly you understand what transgression meant. You know, there are people who think, all right. God doesn't want me to do it. I did it. Okay, I'm sorry. But that person, there are people who say, how could I do such a thing? How could I take a stand against divine uh, God's will? When you do tshuva, you move close to God. When you move close to God, you say to yourself, oh boy, I thought that was just a little transgression that I did, that I did tshuva for Anyoma Kippurim. But as I come closer and closer to God, the transgression gets bigger and bigger and therefore I better do tshuva over again that's the position of Rav Nachman Abratzlav that tshuva tshuva forces you to do tshuva not only Averis force you to do tshuva but tshuva forces you to do tshuva because tshuva is a wondrous event which elevates you it makes you to a different person once you're an elevated different person you go back and you look at what you did in the past and you say what? my tshuva was not sufficient the past has to be reconsidered and so Moshe Rabbeinu said this to B'nai Yisrael Moshe Rabbeinu said to B'nai Yisrael listen you're going to Eretz Yisrael Eretz Yisrael is different because you are no longer an aggregate of people who happen to be going on the same train to the same place but in Eretz Yisrael you become part of a significant group you're part of a Shevet and that Shevet belongs to Eretz Yisrael and what's going to change in your lives is this principle of our foot 
of feeling the pain of having other people around you who are not doing all the mitzvot properly. And that in turn, that arvut, that belonging to a shevet which can be a majority in Eretzor on its own, even though numerically it's far from being a majority. All of that together brings you to reconsider the tshuva that you did when you did these Averots. And so Moshe Rabbeinu is saying to B'nai Yisrael, you know, Averots, transgressions, leave an impression. There's a residue. And that residue, it's like sometimes you know, somebody goes to the hospital against an operation. He says, oh, you just take this pill forever. And everything will be fine. Forever. Just forever they changed you. They changed your metabolism. They changed your makeup. They changed something about you. Only this pill forever will keep you as you should be. So Moshe Rabbeinu say, you know, you're coming from a wondrous place, the desert, where you each were able to do tshuva and you were each able to gain the mercy of heaven. But now you're going to Eretz Israel. It's not so easy in Eretz Israel. You have to ask yourselves whether you did enough tshuva, whether you compensated sufficiently, because now every single person is responsible for every other person. So Moshe Rabbeinu went and he said this pochacha. He reminded them because he thought that the Averot was still there. They hadn't disappeared. They were still part of the makeup of the Jewish people. We look back at the Ramban. We're up to the last sentences, right? Line 15. But Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to depress them. He wanted them to understand, but Israel to understand they were going to a different place where there were different kinds of obligations. And the obligations of our vut, of connectivity with, of the people in Israel to each other were changed. But he said, look, you have to also reckon, don't be frustrated. You have to understand that HaKadosh Baruch has treated us up to now with, in a merciful manner. He says, no one should say that we won't be able to inherit the land because after all, we're going as a community, 600,000. There'll always be somebody who does an Avera. As you remember, Achan, who stole the Shalal, who stole the booty, he did an Avera. And he affected all of Abi Israel. Nothing could move. He was one person. One person took stuff. So leave it. Leave it to the Shabbat. They'll find him eventually. What difference does it make? No. The whole process was put on hold. That's the world that they went into. He says, And people would say, Haven't we beat it? One person stops the process. What are we supposed to do? You know that. We will, we will disappear. 
that even though the standards change and even though the demands are higher and even though it's more difficult in Eretz Yisrael than the Midbar and so the Ramban reminds us that Moshe Rabbeinu reminded B'nai Yisrael that this is not just a tochacha but it's a tochacha that includes the optimism that we learned in the desert that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was always willing to forgive us so Moshe Rabbeinu teaches B'nai Yisrael two things as they are about to enter into Eretz Yisrael one is that they have not finished with the past because even though as individuals they may have been granted mercy and forgiveness but now they're going as a community and the pain of having some people who don't match up to that level will be tremendous and because of that one person Ochon ben Karmi is able to stop the forward march of B'nai Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael the second thing Moshe Rabbeinu said is that we have to remember that we live in a world of mercy and that's the only way to understand how we got to our vote Boav I have to remember that even though the undertaking seems to be overwhelming overwhelming spiritually if every person who does an Avera is going to cause me pain sounds overwhelming nevertheless Moshe Rabbeinu guarantees that mercy will continue for Am Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael have a good job